The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Mega Weekend. We will outline all of it. Greg Smith, one hour for Nebraska Friday Night Lights and a slew of talent to uh, get some uh, some me time with the coaches. And uh, we're talking official visits, which means... Uh, Potentially a lake house visit with Coach Frost. So that'll be cool for some of the guys. We'll dive into the tier of quarterbacks headed into the 2022 college football season. Good list and not quite shocking list, but not a good list if you're Nebraska, where what you currently have and what you lost, where the slottings go. We'll dive in there, NBA Finals. So maybe you're, maybe you're old school NBA guy. And you just haven't you haven't felt the NBA. Maybe you miss Tim Duncan in the Spurs. Maybe you miss what Miami had with LeBron, despite your disgust with the decision. Maybe you loved it. Don't know. But what you have now is uh, a, a gritty team in Boston, and you still have that excitement of Golden State. Can Golden State get back to the throne? Without a guy like KD, the last time they won it, they had him doing his thing. That brought upheaval in my household uh, (laughs) for Junior. The the day uh, KD signed with Golden State is the day that the the fathead came off the wall. Just because it wasn't that he left Oklahoma City that, that made Junior mad. It was the fact that he went from a team that, almost beat Golden State, you, you couldn't beat him, so you joined him. And that wrinkled Junior's nose a little bit. Brandon Vogel going to join us to talk some college football this hour. Greg Smith is mentioned in one hour. Gary Barnett at 525, and then Danny Burke will get us some thoughts on the NHL semifinals, conference finals, and uh, we'll get his take on tonight's matchup with Golden State and the Celtics. But first, we need a moment of silence mm. because uh, a place maybe some of us visited in our youth was demolished. Elijah, enlighten us on what came down just east of Lincoln today. Well, I would just like to add here before we get into this, this was never an establishment that I visited. But Good for you. But Ever? Well, well, no, see, I, I was always told growing up that to enter into a, a gentleman's club like that, you need a top hat and a cane and, 
and coattails until I learned, I got older and learned that that's not what a gentleman's club was. Um, but Shaker <laughs> Gentleman's Club has, has been torn down. So, so that was the spin Ma and Paws gave the Carson thought it was a toy store. <laughs> it's giant and pink. I know. He's like, Daddy, Daddy, can we go to the toy store? <laughs> His car seems like, look, look, the toy store, the toy barn. Like, well, kind of. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, that, that I can't tell you. You jump on, on, on Highway 6 to get to the interstate. You roll past the old pink barn. And, and you know, it, it was just funny because he's, when are we stopping, Dad? When you're 18, son. <laughs> but uh, no more. Well, it was always sad that since covid really where, where they repainted it like a a, a a dark gray color instead of pink and it didn't stand out as much and mm-hmm. and uh it, it's it's been getting a little dilapidated since covid19 so uh just a little sad to see such an icon go sounds like it's gonna be good <laughs> good for the the city of waverly they're gonna be doing some development i think with sewage and plumbing in that yeah. area to, to give uh water to businesses out there because apparently they didn't have any before uh so gonna be good for the city of waverly uh just a sad sight whenever you're getting off the interstate coming back into Lincoln you have to drive past and think of think of past memories or or moments of hey it's not my thing thank god it's gone that that's mostly me but i think it's always it was always funny to crack a little joke as you're going by the big pink barn yeah well the the, the other part of this too is it's been a running joke with baseball for us for years <laughs> cuz you need cash to get into either baseball or you need cash for the concession stand, right? You want a hot dog, you want a burger. Most places, they don't have the uh, the, uh, the, the, the the phone swipe set up. You need cold, hard cash. And I never, ever, ever carry cash on me, so I'm always hitting my wife up for, for ones. And the, the joke was... Oh, she's like, why well, I don't have very many ones. Like, what, slow night on stage four last night? <laughs> that was the joke with us. Her code name was Cinnamon, stage one. Cinnamon, <laughs> stage one. But we can we can joke about it. But yeah, you sent me this link, and I'm like, oh, wow, that happened. Yeah. It should, should be noted, the owner uh, was approved for a, a liquor license in Waverly a few years ago, so it sounds like he is going to be opening up a, a, a different establishment somewhere within Waverly, but Shaker's no more. Okay, well, because you, you sent me the, the link and the picture, and the uh, the demolition has begun, and it is rubble now? I think it's it's all rubble now, just sitting in uh, the former side of Shaker's. Okay, well, there you have it. A lot of, lot of football Saturday nights for some. And a lot of avoidance for others wherever you're at on, again, that side of the coin. Regardless, pour one out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In celebration or anguish. Big weekend for Nebraska football. ton of uh, official visitors. It's Friday Night Lights. You have uh, Elijah, nine in-state prospects with power, five offers. You have the Pierce tight end, uh, Benjamin Brommer, he's a Nebraska commit. Sledge, also a Nebraska commit. Uh, you have a, a chase that's ongoing with Cade McIntyre. He is up in the air right now. You have Benny Nagoy that's also received the Nebraska offer. Zane Flores, no offer from Nebraska, but Zane's uh, committed to Oklahoma State. He's also headed off to the Elite 11 camp this summer. Which is impressive. And, huge, and, huge. And you have Nagoy that's going to Washington this weekend. But who is in town uh, from in-state, Brock Knudsen from Scott's Bluff. 
uh, a tight race between Nebraska and Iowa State. Malachi Coleman, of course, Nebraska going to roll out the red carpet for because the, the world wants Malachi either at a tight end or a wide receiver or a rush-in spot with Coach Gingery's crew at Lincoln East. Uh, so he's uh, the big name. And then, of course, Mav Noonan. Uh, we spent some time talking about Mav Noonan with Mitch Sherman yesterday. And it's it's different from, I, from my era. Gunnar Gatula is already a commit. He's going to be uh, doing some peer recruiting with a bunch of guys. You have Sledge and Knutson that have a really good relationship to the point where Knutson thought about transferring from Scott's Bluff to Creighton Prep. And listen, it's just, it's different, and it's different for a lot of Nebraska fans to, to put their arms around. Much like NIL is a new era, well, it's it's been a new era for Nebraska grabbing in-state kids because you've never seen anything like this where Nebraska wasn't on top or near the top. And you have the advent of of Huddle, an incredible company here in town, and you have eyes everywhere. You are able to watch a kid in Omaha, in Lincoln, in Kearney, in Scotts Bluff, in Columbus, in, in, in Hastings. Go down the list. And if somebody sees their film, a Harburg, right? Power fives are coming out in droves. You, you've had uh, Dickerson and Jackson. They are off to Oregon, right? You've lost a couple of big-time, high-profile tight ends to Oklahoma and Auburn, respectively, from the Metro. Uh, you have some of uh, the, the top talent that's always been picked out by Iowa here in the last 15 years, either small-town rural talent Harrison Phillips, Kaz talked about that Tuesday. They went hard after him, and Stanford was where he ended up, and Harrison was special enough to start as a redshirt freshman okay, and be a second-round pick, and now he's on a second monster contract uh, in the NFL. It's just not automatic anymore for Nebraska. It's not been that way, and it's even shifted a bit from – when Nebraska and Coach Frost got here. I think what will do wonders for Nebraska with what they've done as far as revamping their staff. Not only have they got more experienced coaches, they have got better recruiters. Now, I can say that now, but I, we can go off of track record at other stops before we're just making an assumption. Bill Bush is an incredible recruiter. Mickey Joseph is an incredible recruiter. Uh, Coach Applewhite's been a monster recruiter. He's just been at some of the programs that, aside from TCU, he's been at some other programs that are really good programs, and they've been in contention, but it's been more Mountain West. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not been Power Five. But all those guys can eye talent, can connect with talent, and then can reel that talent in. And, and Scott Frost, historically speaking, has been a pretty good recruiter uh, Where when he's been at different spots. And at least on paper, Nebraska's been able to sell it well enough to get him here. They've just not been able to keep him here. So that, that'll be interesting. But uh, Gunnar Gatula and, and some of the commits for 2023 will no doubt work hard. And since it'll be official visit time, It'll be a little bit different presentation for Knudsen, uh, for 
uh, Mav Noonan, and, and of course, Malachi Coleman. Yeah, and uh, I'm a little curious with uh, with Gunnar Gatula, his involvement here. You said probably going to be a peer recruiter, and I know I, this is a camp that I went to way back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, back in the Mike Riley era. And so you, uh, you went to a Friday Night Lights? Yeah, yeah, I was involved. Did you not see me out there? Well, I'm sh- <laughs> I was not uh, present. We we need to hammer Greg. Where was the write up on Elijah Herbal? Well, that's the thing with the offense what, alignment. What, what would have been about six years ago. Would have been uh, the summer of 2016. So about six years ago, yeah. So was that was was Parsons at the camp or no? Was that a year? Uh, after? That was a year after. I was at a camp with uh, oh kid from Ashland Greenwood was there. Uh, I can't even remember who all was there. Uh, Keep going. Anyway, what, what, anyway what with, 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 the, with, with the offensive line, they have you out there in shorts and like a compression shirt and no pads and, and helmet, no helmet. So like they're taking you through all these offensive line drills, and I always thought like, man, you're not getting the the real look at an offensive lineman. So I see Gunnar Gatul and his visit there has got to be more important as a peer recruiter because I mean I remember through high school they told us with like all the the, the athletic stuff. Oh, you're doing a long jump here. We don't care how far you go. We care how deep you go. That's what matters for the offensive linemen. So this camp is all about like testing and finding the athletes. And while that's yeah, three hundred pounds, and you're on a four nine forty, great. Uh, it's it, it's not a showcase for the offensive linemen by any means. So that's interesting. But it is going to be a showcase for a guy like Malachi Coleman, mm-hmm. where you're looking at, I mean, all the athletic skill part, you're, and you're going to be able to get your official times for Malachi. Sure, whoever in Omaha that he tested with said he ran a, a four five one forty, but. Well, what is your official electronic time going to be at this camp? What's his high jump going to be? That's what this is great for for Nebraska is get some of these high-profile kids in where you've been hearing from their coaches and who's been training them. Yeah, they run this. They jump this. They've got great hands, yada, yada, yada. You can see it on film, but you actually get your own testing numbers for it this time. And uh, there's also for other kids uh, who maybe don't get a Nebraska offer at this camp, there's going to be coaches from all around uh, the Midwest, particularly schools like Midland and mm-hmm. uh, Doan and all those that come out and check kids out as well. So not just a, a great event for Nebraska players, also a great event for other kids uh, who are going to be ending up at lower-level schools throughout the Midwest. Well, and the, the fight is very real from some Big Ten peers. When we look at Minnesota, Minnesota's in on Malachi Coleman. I don't know where Minnesota ranks, but they were pretty early in on Malachi Coleman. They've been all over Maverick Noonan. Uh, that's that's a <laughs> that's a divisional foe that you've not done well against. You've got big name schools like SC and Michigan and Oklahoma going after uh, Malachi uh, Stanford. That's not, Stanford and Iowa both are very because of their track record for NFL defensive line success. Those are very real threats, honestly, uh, and. We'll see. I mean, Nebraska's got to Nebraska's got to a treat these kids like they're out of state, as in the importance, and you can't take them for granted. The N is still important. The N is still relevant. The N still registers. Okay, it it does, but it's just a different. It's a different signal now because of where the program's been. These kids, when they got involved in, in football and in, in sports, think about it. You're, you're 10, 12 years old. I mean, all they know, if they're going seniors to be, to all they know from Nebraska is that they've been home for the holidays. They've seen some really bad years. They've seen some bad records, but spirited efforts last year. And do they want to win? No, it's going to – well, yeah, they want to win, but it's going to be about fit and feel. I mean, that's that's to a T – 
what their response has been. We'll get into uh, some of the other names here this weekend uh, shortly with uh, Greg Smith. Uh, A thought here, we'll get into uh, some of the quarterback uh, tiers as well with Brandon Vogel. So Big Game Boomer has put out his bowl projections for this upcoming season. And you're wondering, did, did Nebraska make the cut? And Elijah, based on this uh, Twitter handle, Football Nuts projections, it looks like you have Michigan State winning the or finishing second in the Big Ten East. You have Ohio State playing Alabama for the national championship. You have a lot of stock being bought in Utah and in NC State. You've got a better ACC where Wake Forest and uh, NC State make New Year's Day sixes. Clemson's exiled to the Holiday Bowl. Citrus Bowl's Michigan. But Nebraska off to Fenway right after Christmas per this projection against BYU. Brandon Vogel's next on Hail Varsity. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hail Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, it's Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Greg Smith on the Friday Night Lights. Big weekend for Nebraska. We say hi to Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel. On Twitter, his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogues, the uh, the yearbook cover is out. We spent a little bit of time with Mike Babcock yesterday on it, but wanted to get your take. Incre- just an impressive cover. Can't wait to, to read the content inside, but uh, dressed... Uh, for success, right? How about old Garrett Nelson uh, all suited up in front with the briefcase? Uh, he's going to work. Yeah, he is. And, you know, as we uh, kind of settled on that story and started concepting ideas for the photo shoot, uh, to be to be completely honest, as we were, like, kicking around things, it was like, ah, oh, we can't put Garrett Nelson in a suit. Um, you know, I, when I think of Garrett Nelson and when I think of him as a guy who came here from Scottsbluff, Nebraska, an area of the state that I know very well. And I know that not a lot of players end up at Nebraska from, from that part of the state. I'm not bitter about it. I think I've gotten over it for the most part. Um, but you know, he was a guy who, who got on the field as a true freshman, surprisingly to me, basically through pure effort in in my view, um, and has only gotten better each year since then. And, you know, that, that, that's a guy that you may not picture as, as the suit and tie guy, which as we kind of talked through this and, and thought through it, kind of became the reason to do it. And, and I think Garrett, you know, was, was pretty excited about that. And that story really becomes about a little bit of, 
you know, how he, see, how he sees himself as somebody who works really hard but is, you know, getting better and better throughout the years compared to the guy that maybe a lot of people, specifically me in this case, remember from his freshman year who just worked his butt off, to be quite frank, and, and made things happen and has continued to do that. So it's a little bit of a juxtaposition in my mind uh, the way we ended up doing that photo shoot. Vogues, he, uh, along with Henrich, along with Reimer, uh, along with Hickman, uh, along with uh, a handful of guys are, are in-state stories. And those in Harburg, those are some of the in-state wins, right, from the Scott Frost era. And they're, it's, from a recency standpoint, you've had others go elsewhere in that, uh, that former program that Frost was um, a major asset with, with thriving Oregon has come in and gotten some recruiting wins. Iowa has always been there, and this weekend with Friday Night Lights, folks, I can't remember when there's been such a, a number of high level. There's always talent in this state, but there's talent that that may get a maybe right from a from a G five or a Division two. Or here's a walk-on offer. Well, now it's just flush with with Power Five offers. And what what is your reason for Nebraska not being the slam dunk anymore? Well, I think I think a lot of it has to do. I mean, it's 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 really a big question. And I know you've got Greg coming up um, on the show later today, and and he and I have talked about this, and I'm sure he'll have some interesting thoughts on it. I think there's there's a couple of things there. So, um, one, Nebraska hasn't won. It hasn't been the perennial top top ten program that it once was. So, so that's a factor. Recruits access to other programs is a factor. So, if you're you know a high three star recruit in 1992, Tennessee might not know about you. I mean, it's just it's just the reality of the situation. Now, every program who has access to Huddle, which is all of them, plus probably has eight more people working on recruiting than they did in 1998 in terms of kind of supplemental or additional staff, their job is to know about everybody. And, you know, I think there was an impression, you know, back then when Nebraska was at its height of, okay, like if you're a Tennessee, maybe we like this kid. Um, maybe we think he's undervalued and not a lot of people know about him. But the minute Nebraska offered, I think there was a perception that, well, he's a Nebraska kid. He's going to go to Nebraska because he can win the Big 8 and go to the Orange Bowl every year or compete for Big 12 titles and, and do that every year. That's not the case anymore. So I think all of those things play a bit of a role. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to look at this and base it on the offers of, of an Oregon jumping in here, a Tennessee offering kid, and so on and so forth, and say, well, the talent level has risen. And maybe it has. But I guess my question sort of is, is like, maybe the talent level is about the same, and we never properly valued those guys that Nebraska was getting when it could get just about anyone in the state. Now, Brendan, there's there's been an argument out there for years now that 
oh, well, it, it means more to a Nebraska kid to come to Nebraska where they might go out of state and be an average player there. But when they come to Nebraska uh, wearing the N on the side of the helmet, it means more knowing that they're from here, knowing that they've probably been a fan their whole life. Is, is there any validity to that argument as we move forward here with Husker football that it's going to be more important for Nebraska to go get those in-state kids because they're going to work harder for it? Um, I mean, I think I think if you can get them, it, it has a chance. I mean, I think Garrett Nelson is is sort of a player who who might lend a little bit of support to that. But you look at a Noah Fant, or you look at the Keegan Johnson, who had a great freshman year at Iowa, and and say it, it, it feels like a bonus. That can't be the reason. Like if there's a if there's a guy who's kind of middle ground where Nebraska is like, eh, we don't know if we're going to pull the trigger on him. And there's also, you know, this this weird thing that Nebraska has to consider with in-state kids is you do get a, a good share of those guys who are kind of borderline as as preferred walk-ons. So you've always got to evaluate. Well, do we do we offer a scholarship or do we think we can get this guy as a preferred walk-on? And if he turns out to be Luke Reimer, we put him on scholarship as soon as we can. So that complicates the math here. But I think for those players that are at the top of the class in the state, um, yeah, you, you got to pull the trigger. Um, it, it just becomes too difficult. And I think we've seen enough guys go and contribute elsewhere. To, to think that, yes, I, I, I do believe there's still a little bit of a bonus if you get those guys, but the key thing is you have to get them first. Here's the reality, and you just laid that out beautifully with, okay, the rest of the world knows about Malachi Coleman, and, and he would have been on, on radars anyway, right? But I think back to the walk-on class, of all walk-on classes, and, and, and also a Spencer Long, who was not part of that class, but Spencer, uh, incredible player in the NFL, incredible player in, in Lincoln, and, and he <laughs> was a walk-on. And I'm not laughing at that. I'm saying that's you could get that type of dude, and he turned into yeah. a, a phenomenal all-conference performer. Janovich, Fulte, Brandon Riley was a walk-on. I mean. That walk-on class, it was either 2012 or 2013. Man, wow. Uh, how, how good were they and how many games did they help win? Not just by doing it Monday through Thursday, but they kicked ass on Saturdays in a lot of instances. You're going to have to really offer those kids now or find room because you can't expect the old in-state family discount because of this, uh, this borderless recruiting that goes on, folks. Yeah, and I think I think that kind of ties the you know these two things together. To go to go back to Elijah's point, I think the key is if you if you have a guy in state who you're going to see more of him. I mean, we, we you know everybody can see everything of, of a kid that they want to, but just being local that's your advantage. So you're you're aware of a Malachi Coleman as as early as possible. Um, if, if you think he can play. Like you gotta you gotta pull the trigger and make that offer because then I think you 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 do extend that quote unquote hometown discount or that that hometown bonus if if you can land the guy uh, you get in there early and and that's your advantage of just being there it, you may not even go to a game to see that kid 
but he might jump off kind of the field or screen if you're watching on video. And and you gotta be you gotta be ready to act, knowing that okay, if we if we agree that there is some sort of home state bonus here, that's there for you. Uh, it, it's it's going to require being a little bit early on guys. It's going to be it's going to require maybe jumping before you're totally ready, because you believe that well, if we get this home state person. Uh, it's going to provide a little bit extra that goes beyond just their recruiting rating, their their actual ability by the time they leave high school. Vogue's got a little less than two minutes. You have a ranking of all 131 college football quarterback situations. You've got your, your Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud coming in around seventh or eighth. That's well down the list of, of tier one. But you have Adrian Martinez at Kansas State. He's listed higher than uh, Thompson. And Nebraska, who's 12 or 13, uh, making the making – the, they're both similar quarterbacks going somewhere else for that senior year. And I guess what, what player has a better season, right? They both got to go win jobs. They both think they're going to have the job. Uh, but um, – who do you think? Uh, who do you think ends up calling your shot here in in June? Now, better stats: a guy like Thompson or a guy like Adrian? Better stats. I'll take I'll take Adrian um, because he's he's had better stats for the most part. And granted, you know he he he's had way more games. He's had more opportunity as a starter. You know, I thought that that ESPN story ranking those or basically grouping all 131-plus quarterbacks in FBS football into tiers was, was pretty good. It noted there that it, Adrian Martinez, I think, ranked fourth in whatever passing metric they used, yards per attempt or, or whatever it was, uh, but literally faced the most pressure uh, amongst FBS teams last year in terms of the pass rush. And, and you know, Kansas State returns a good amount of talent at running back pretty average in terms of receivers and how much it brings back a little bit low on the offensive line side. But I look at Adrian Martinez at Kansas State. If if he gets some protection, if he gets better protection than he had at Nebraska last year, I think he could have a really, really big year statistically. Um, and I think Kansas State could, could win a bunch of games with him. I think Nebraska can win a bunch of games with Casey Thompson. But it's a little bit of a different equation where you're kind of banking on, okay, it's, it's Mark Banker, it's Nebraska maximizing what it wasn't able to do last year. Um, so, so a lot of those things. So I wasn't totally surprised to see the gap between where ESPN breaks Martinez and Thompson. I think that gap, if things go well for Nebraska, narrows. But I think Adrian Martinez has a chance to have a pretty big year at Kansas State. And if he does, I don't think Nebraska fans should be that surprised. Vogues, we'll do more on Saturday, bud. Good to get caught up. Thanks for the time. Yes, thank you. Calling all soccer fans. Union Omaha is back home after an unbelievable showing in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup round of 16. An upset over Minnesota United? That's our team. So join them when they come home May 28th for Educational Outreach Night. Presented by Bellevue University. The Owls will face Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC and after a couple of road matches will come back on June 18th to face Greenville Triumph SC. It's 
It's also Pride Night. We'll see you there. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HailVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Okay, June 6th is around the corner. That means it's time for you to get subscribed to Hail Varsity Magazine and dot com. Let me tell you what's special about that. It's the last day to subscribe, June 6th, and guarantee yourself the 2022 Nebraska Football Yearbook as part of your subscription. Now, listeners can uh, use the code YEARBOOK at HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe for $30 off the first year of an annual subscription, those subscriptions. But you have to subscribe by Monday to get the deal if you want the yearbook, if you want Garrett Nelson all Gary Michaels up. And it's it's money. Uh, the yearbook, the preview, the content, the stories, I've gotten a little smidgen of a of a of a just here's what we can expect content wise. I can't unveil. Otherwise I will my my Hale Varsity card will be revoked and that would make me sad. So uh get logged on hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe. Enter in yearbook for the promo code. Get your yearbook. Be happy. And uh, you'll have Garrett Nelson staring back at you. On the cover, it's pretty awesome. See, now, I, I love that cover. I think it would have been awesome if they would have taken the suit, you know, and cut the sleeves off, <laughs> cut the cut the pants off short, turned into, like, shorts and, like, a sleeveless suit. But then, as I thought more, I realized, eh, that might look a little you too Chippendales. You don't ruin a Gary Michaels suit. That, and, like, I mean, maybe Garrett Nelson's got a future with Chippendales. Is that still around? I was Dude, gonna, I, that's, I, that's the I, thing. It's just, just like, it's go a away from that train of thought and no (laughs) all i think about is saturday night live with uh, patrick swayze and chris farley one of the best skits of all time yeah and some (laughs) of us still feel like farley a little bit (laughs) every day of my life every day of my life man so no is what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) just wipe that out delete that's why i'm not the photographer for hail varsity magazine so we'll be up at the hail varsity club up in uh, la vista Next Thursday, uh, I've been meaning to check that play. Just awesome, I will take, awesome I will menu. take a. I will take a, a. Coach McBride told me yesterday, he's like, "You better be eating some wings." I'm like, right, "I'm getting on it, I'm eating wings." Well, the, uh, the burgers look really good too. So I'm gonna take a picture of both for you. Oh, thank you, thank you. you can <laughs> well, bring you, me one back. Well, you're okay. back here. Uh, so there we have it. Let's dive into some NBA Finals, Celtics, Dubs, and three things. Good outlines here by the Athletic. And, and I know Boston's really good defensively. I know Boston's got some scores. I know Boston has uh, the advantage in the paint if they want to get physical because uh, there's just one of Draymond down there. But what, what I ask is this with, with Boston, and maybe, they'll, maybe they'll, they'll show something tonight or be able to counter Golden State. I think this will be a fist fight. Golden State's not as finesse as they used to be. Uh, I think that's that's big, and that's not a, a knock on on Kerr or Curry or or Clay. But Draymond's always kind of been their enforcer, their heartbeat. They've got some more some more dudes that that are willing to get their hands dirty. Oh yeah. 
this this Golden State team versus just being able to out talent you with the Durant title. Teams. Well, I mean, look look at the impact of Kevon Looney against the yeah. Mavericks. That, that that exemplifies your point to a T. It, it's not. It is the same Warriors team of old with how well they shoot the three, but it's not the same Warriors team of old in terms of, uh, I don't want to say they'll slack on the defensive end, but no, they, just, they, they, they know soft. they'll outscore you. Yeah. They're not as soft. Now, they're, they'll buckle up defensively. They'll, they'll, uh, they'll set some hard screens. It's not just Steph Curry running around and uh, trying to spot up for a three. It's a different Golden State team. Still Golden State with how well they shoot the ball, but I'm with you 100%. Well, how is Boston, let's flip this around, how is Boston going to defend? Boston's been the best defensive team in the NBA, but they really haven't faced a team like Golden State. When they did hook up with Golden State, you had the, the Steph injury, right? So it's, it's a whole different version of, of Golden State. Golden State's offense will back cut you to death for 24 seconds. They'll get a screen. They'll kick it out. Their ball movement, they're unselfish, and they're, they're marksmen. They are deadly from, from downtown. That's, that's one key thing. How do you defend for 24 seconds? And, and by the way, there is a belief I have that, that Boston may hit a wall. As, as far as the gap between Golden State and Boston, there's the offensive talent, and Boston's good too, but Golden State's like elite, okay? They've had more third scores show up on a more consistent basis. They've not... They, they've not crapped the bed for lack of a better term like Boston has in some closeout moments. But but Boston on the flip side does have a better defense than Indianapolis Golden State has faced so far in the sure, playoffs. Sure, that's that's fair. So is it, it going to be better offense or is it is it going to be the old cliche a defense wins, wins championships? That, that's going to be the story of the NBA Finals in my book. Uh, when you look at the fact that I, I think Boston's got good enough defenders that they're going to muck it up for Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, make it tough for them, and then we get into the, the argument of well, Golden State's different this year. You're going to be able to keep them off the glass. That's been a big factor for them in the playoffs as well. But Boston does prevent uh, or does present a uniquely different challenge than anyone else Golden State has faced in the playoffs. Nuggets didn't have good defense, objectively bad defense. Uh, you have the Suns, who were kind of in that same boat, better defensive team, but it wasn't a priority. And then the Mavericks was. Try to buckle down as much as you can. Let Luca carry on the offensive end. Hope he finds a second score. This is a completely different team. Where now you go up against a superstar in Jason Tatum, who's got some scores around him, and every single guy on that Boston team uh, goes balls to the wall with defense. Here's my question too: uh, When we talk about Golden State, who else scores? You're gonna have Curry. Is Clay gonna be on, or is he gonna be off? Uh, but you have Poole, you have Porter, you have Wiggins. You have those three choices to be a third score, and it can be a different guy each night. Now, with Wiggins, what are you going to get from from him offensively? Um, Poole is good on offense, but if he doesn't get to a, a certain level defensively, his minutes could decline. And then what do you get from Wiggins offensively? Is he going to give you 20 and 10 while still having to be tasked and guard Jason Tatum. Yeah, or, or on the flip side, is he going to go 0 for 7 from 3 and be a big minus offensively? Because you've seen both sides of that, that Wiggins even in this playoffs. And last question here, what type of offense do the Celtics get? Uh, at times, Boston looks like they can smoke anyone on the floor. Mm-hmm. Then you see that version of this team that has blown double-digit leads to the Heat, Game 5, Game 7. And uh, you, you have the Warriors uh, that could just... Be, get silly. I mean, when when they when they get into one of those patented runs, I mean, it's over. 
and they are good at, at closing out. They don't they don't drift. Once they give you the knockout shot, you stay down for ten. Typically from Golden State. But what we've seen more from Golden State this playoffs has been them getting into a funk. You saw it, uh, I think it was game five against the Mavericks. Maybe it was game four. Uh, you saw, I know for sure, in game five against the Nuggets, they, they went into one of those funks. They've been prone to do that this playoff. So is that going to rear its ugly head during the finals as well? Well, and then let's, just for good measure, take a drink on the Hale Varsity bingo card. Rest versus rust. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal will dive in. 13 visitors this weekend for Friday Night Lights. A monster showcase for Nebraska football. The staff, the coaches, and, of course, the prospects for 2023. And it's funny to – we'll dive into this with Gary Barnett. Dabo, Dabo Sweeney's changed. Like, he would never – Ever, ever imagine this. Imagine how good they've been. <laughs> he would never do summer visits. He was no on summer official visits. Now, they'd probably have some camps here and there. They'd probably out go out and evaluate. But Badaba was like, no, nope, no, nope, we're not. This portal thing's uh, evil. And by the way, we're not going to grant any any summer officials. And I, I appreciate work-life balance. And I think Dabo does a lot of good things. And I think Dabo, I think Dabo is actually pretty sincere with what he believes, his, his philosophy on life. But Nick's addressed his boosters through the media two weeks ago. And Dabo's allowing official visits during the summer where they can woo some kids. Clemson, their secret sauce was continuity. That's gone with their offensive and defensive coordinators gone. They had a run of incredible quarterbacks that that stacked on top of one another. Their skill talent and wide receiver talent, phenomenal. Their, Their front seven and hybrid defensive players, elite. And they've had about two guys picked in the NFL draft from the offensive line. Think about that. That's how good their skill talent was. Usually it's some sort of combination of, well, you got really good offensive line with really good running back, or you've got a just a, a straight-up stud at running back that makes your line look better. Well, as far as future pros, I think they've had a couple of guys go, more than a couple, but it's it's not first round. It's not Bama. It's not Georgia. Offensive line, you're just printing guys. Oregon's been pretty good on both lines of scrimmage, so they've had one or two dudes. Northwestern's been really good with uh, putting us a, a quarterback or an offensive lineman or a defensive end. Yeah, I mean, Fitzgerald's for for as bad as his recruiting classes have been ranked. He has found some first-rounders. But that's uh, that's kind of a sign that, that even those that are in power and continue to win are are adjusting what you, you never thought they'd undig their heels in on. But and, it, and that's that's even some summer visits now. But if you're not adjusting to the, the new you're, era of college you're either football, adapting you're or dying. Yeah, adapting or dying. I like that. It's what it is. 
and Nebraska will no doubt put their best foot forward. The red carpet uh, is always out. Reminder to get buckled up, hands on the wheel, eyes in mind. Straight ahead, the driver has one job to drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. A humble brag for the Southwest Silverhawk Remax baseball team. A 2-0 night, a late night, but a victorious night in Millard. Beating Millard West 6-5. Good night for Junior and his teammates. And then they said, you know what, let's go take it to Millard South. Pretty awesome. For, uh, for Junior's baseball team last night. Hour two on the way. Gary Barnett's coming up. Calling all Storm Chasers fans. May 31st through June 5th, the Indianapolis Indians are in town for the first time this year at Warner Park. As an Omaha newbie, I attended my first Storm Chasers game earlier this season. And man, I'm telling you, they know how to do it right. The perfect family atmosphere with high quality baseball. I mean, you're watching future pros here in Omaha. What an awesome experience. And that's what it's all about. Join the Storm Chasers June 4th for Runza Night. Runza will be sold inside the stadium. Plus, you'll get to see your favorite players wearing some specialty uniforms. If that's not enough to sell you, you can even snag yourself one of these jerseys signed. I might add, after the game when they're auctioned off. It's all for a good cause benefiting the food bank for the Heartland. We'll see you there. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. You see him on YouTube. You can stream him on the different uh, Hale Varsity channels. He's got his home office with uh, probably some Bears gear or Lakers stuff hanging up. But he's all over recruiting. It's recruiting time with Greg Smith from Hale Varsity at Greg Smith. HV on Twitter. Greg, you, you all geared up for Friday Night Lights. How you doing? I am. I'm very well. I'm busy. I have my, my coffee of choice next to me, so I might be a little wired right now because I got that second wind, uh, but I am ready for Friday Night Lights. What an opportunity for Nebraska, and, and that's what this has really turned into, and I think back to your years of covering Nebraska and Friday Night Lights, and it, it you know, think about the, the, the hype and the hope with uh, with the the first rendition of Friday Night Lights back in the Riley era, the, the Micah Parsons uh, season, right, where he was right. running go routes. And, you know, coincidentally, also you, you had some in-state kids like a la, you know, Garrett Nelson was a part of that, too. Right. And uh, Garrett's still here on the cover of Hale of Our City, and, and Micah's doing his thing in Dallas. I look at how things have continued to, to grow for the state of Nebraska and their football athletes. And, Greg, we're talking nine in-state Power 5 offers. Some are headed to Lincoln. Some Nebraska's going to have to fight for. And we talked with Vogel about this. But I want to get your take on just the evolution of in-state talent and, and out-of-state suitors. 
Yeah, it has been a remarkable thing to see kind of unfold. And I think there's there's a lot of different reasons um, why this has happened. And I've written a little bit about this a couple of times uh, here over the last couple of weeks. I talked to uh, the Archbishop uh, Bergen uh, up in Fremont, Coach, after uh, Cade McIntyre got his latest round of offers, including Oklahoma, about this. And kind of his thinking was, as part of it, is kids in this state are no longer see themselves as, hey, I'm a local guy. I have to stay at the in-state school. Like, I can't definitely can't leave the Midwest. Uh, they're now seeing themselves as kind of global citizens and guys that can move wherever around the country. And you're starting to get um, a lot more interest from these out-of-state schools and coming into Nebraska to put these offers down. Like, you would have just not seen years ago, um, you know, Oklahoma or Tennessee coming into, you know, Bergen and Fremont and saying, hey, we want an offer a kid that's on the rise. Like you just, that sort of stuff has been a fairly recent phenomenon. Um, and Nebraska has definitely got their work cut out for them trying to keep a lot of these kids home um, because the talent continues to explode in the state. Junior Bryant, a prep kid that went to Notre Dame, the great Ty Good from I High School, Lincoln Southeast, ended up at Notre Dame. And that's really it. Larry Station went to Iowa, right? Uh, you've got a few few kids from smaller communities that ended up in, in, in Iowa as well. And then Harrison Phillips, obviously, off to Stanford. Well, then you, then you got a whole run within the past 10 years. You'll get Easton Stick to North Dakota State. Uh, you had... Uh, you mentioned Harrison Phillips. You add Noah Fant to that list. Fant to uh, Iowa. Yeah, three of the Johnsons. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, but at least it's been, aside from the Notre Dame and Stanford, it's been Iowa or an Iowa oh, State. Right. But now we're talking Oregon. Now we're talking Auburn. Now we're talking Oklahoma. And, Greg, it kind of comes down to, and I think Bogues hit on this, and I think it's something that, that you've probably written about, that that invincibility is not out there anymore where dude we're not going to waste our time we're not getting them anyway that that thoughts out the window yeah, it, it definitely is. You know, I was I was just thinking, too, as you were saying that, Benny and Goy from Lincoln High is going yeah. out on an official visit to Washington, right? Like, you just you just have not seen that uh, in previous years where these guys are going all over the place. But, yeah, I think that feeling of invincibility is definitely not um, there. That fear factor from other schools is not there anymore. Um, and it's for a couple of reasons. I think that when you start to see other schools have success coming into the state, that uh, kind of emboldens those schools. Um, but then also, you know, some of these ones that we just – name and it's some of the more famous ones or, or infamous ones are ones where Nebraska either kind of drug their feet or misevaluated or that sort of thing um, and, and so that ends up being a little bit of an issue too and that spans multiple staff that's not a shot at this current mm-hmm. staff necessarily um, that's gone with, with multiple staffs now as well Greg let's uh, run down who's uh, on the docket and we've got uh, different categories you've got the skill guys with Manning and O'Mary and Miller and Malachi at receiver, uh, Barry Jackson, the athlete. But you also have three pretty intriguing linemen. We'll start with Brock Knudsen out of Scotts Bluff. And uh, give me a thought on on where the race is for Brock. You have Herring, of course. And then also uh, Yuli, a Georgia commit. Those are three good-sized <laughs> old linemen, man. 
Yeah, that's an understatement right there. Uh, Newton, uh, definitely a kid that I think Nebraska is in good position with uh, out of Scott's bluff. Um, he's got a, an official visit set later this month to Iowa State. I think the Huskers are going to try to do everything they can to not have that Iowa State visit happen. If they can lock him down this weekend, um, they would gladly take his commitment, and I think they can do it. There's just going to be some work to be done there, but he has a really good relationship um, with Donovan Rayola. Um, Amir Herring um, is a kid that could probably profiles as a center or a guard um, out of Michigan, who I think is one of the better offensive linemen in that region um, in Nebraska's battle in Michigan there. But the wrinkle there is he's, this will be his third visit to Nebraska. So it's not like, you know, these guys are coming out um, kind of green on what's happening in Lincoln or anything like that or have a, a not-so-great relationship with the coaches. It's his third visit here. Um, spring game was the last one. Mom's coming out for this visit. So that's always a good thing. You know, I've got in my Twitter bio, always bring the mom on the OV because that's always important. <laughs> Um, and then uh, Bo Hughley, uh, the offensive lineman out of Georgia. Listen, I stood next to him on the sideline at the spring game, and that kid is all of six, seven, three hundred pounds. Like that looks like the kids that commit to the SEC and then stay for three years and then go on to play in the NFL. Um, I don't know where the Huskers necessarily stand with him right now. They got him back for a second visit um, in a few months, and they're putting their best foot forward. That's going to be a tough slip uh, from the 2022 champs. Greg Smith's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Greg, while we're talking SEC country here, let's go down south to, to Louisiana where sounds like Mickey Joseph's been making inroads on, on a wide receiver, O'Marion Miller, and, and I believe he's going to be in town this weekend. Can you tell me a little about him? Yeah, he will be in town this weekend. Uh, he's 6'2", 190 pounds. Um, he committed to LSU almost a year ago, uh, but a lot has changed uh, since that commitment, right? you got Mickey Joseph, who's now in Lincoln as a wide receivers coach. you got Brian Kelly and a whole new staff at LSU, um, and he's probably the next in line of those really good Louisiana wide receivers. He's a high four-star kid um, that can really play uh, football. Now, he decommitted from LSU last week or over the weekend, um, so that's great timing for the Huskers uh, with that official visit coming up this weekend. I do. There are other teams, Texas A&M, Miami, others that are involved here, but none of them have official visits set up at this point. I think the Huskers are in a good position, all because Mickey Joseph has a great relationship with him because that was the coach he committed to previously. Greg, going to go in-state. We mentioned uh, Brock, and, and you got Nebraska that wants to kind of lock him down. Uh, the Malachi-Coleman update, where's a lean on him if you have any intel on that also Maverick Noonan uh, I know that that he's probably pretty intrigued by Stanford and that helps uh, that cause with his relationship with with Harrison Phillips Uh, and, and we know what he did at Stanford and what he's done in the NFL but where's Nebraska in the pecking order in the race for for Coleman and for Noonan yeah, I, I think Coleman is a little bit more wide open at this point. Now, listen, the, the bigger recruit that he's gotten, the more he's kind of, you know, quieted things down a little bit as, as far as, you know, kind of giving out information. And I do know that he's going to go into official visits. He's out on the books for Michigan, Oklahoma, and Oregon. We're talking about, again, Nebraska kids that have options all over the country. Uh, Coleman is definitely in that boat. Um, I think Nebraska's in a good spot. They just are going to have to continue to fight on that one. I, I think that he's, he's obviously a really talented recruit, but with Mickey Joe, 
explosive, kind of leading the charge on that recruitment. I like Nebraska's ability to potentially come out on top eventually there. I don't think it's going to be soon, but eventually. Uh, Maverick Noonan, I actually think the Huskers um, are kind of a, he's kind of a Nebraska lean at this point. Um, I do agree with you about the Stanford factor. I think the Cardinal um, have his attention, and there is a Harrison Phillips factor there. I know those guys train together when Harrison's in the offseason out at the Warren Academy, so I think that Stanford is definitely a player, uh, but he's also going to go check out Iowa, but I think that he's a Nebraska lean at this point, and the Huskers just need to continue pushing the right buttons there. Yeah, and, and Maverick Noonan projects to be a, a pretty good pass rusher at the college level, but there's a couple other guys Nebraska's bringing in this weekend. Uh, the two uh, I'm seeing here are Ashley Williams out of Louisiana in one. I'll be honest, Greg. We'll I don't want to say mess up Mr. Name. We'll just say Mr. Mr. Green. Yes, <laughs> Mr. Green. Yeah, Adonis Green, uh, who is actually a Louisville commit. Um, the Huskers and, and Nebraska got him on campus for that spring game. Start, stop me if you've heard that before, because remember, there was that. We talked about this around the spring game time. There was this huge group of guys that came from Georgia. Like a few of them were at the same high school, um, and three of them are actually coming to Nebraska this weekend. Um, but they made an impression on a number of those guys, Green being one of them. Now, Louisville should not feel, I don't think, all that great about his commitment at this point, because uh, I think he's taken four or five official visits, including out to Louisville. So I think he's kind of wide open at this point, but he's definitely a talented edge rusher um and then you also have uh what was who was, oh a green was the, was the other guy ashley no, williams William, sorry, there's a, there's a lot of guys here <laughs> that are coming out. Uh, but Ashley Williams is a guy that has really blown up on the scene here lately. Um, when he was as a junior, uh, he had 89 tackles and 14 sacks, 22 tackles for loss. Um, so he's now got schools from all over the country coming after him um, to secure his services. But Nebraska's getting the first official visit there from him. And I think the Huskers have recruited him hard, led by Sean Beckton and crew as well. Greg, what's the wide receiver number Nebraska wants to take for 2023? And how many of these guys can flip to the other side of the ball? Because we truly don't know where Malachi wants to play or is being projected. We know he's looked at it wide out, tight end, or, or defensive end. We, we know that he can do all three of those, but no one's really heard from him. You know, what do you want to do in college? So we talked with Ben uh, Benny Nagoy. And Washington with with, uh, with their new head coach. I mean, I think they'll they'll kind of return to prominence under under their new coach. He's really good out of Fresno State, formerly of, of South Dakota University. But Benny's kind of a two way guy too in the secondary and also at wide receiver. Are there enough wide receiver spots to if Nebraska can go perfect and get all of them, take all of them? And that's that's Nagoy, that's Coleman, that's Manning, that's Miller. Yeah, somebody, it's going to be interesting because somebody's going to get squeezed out here unless they can take a couple of guys as kind of that athlete spot. So Malachi, like you mentioned, at athlete. Barry Jackson is another guy who's coming in this weekend who could also be an athlete type. Uh, Don't forget that Jaden Doss um, out of the Kansas City area visited a couple of weekends ago, and I really like the Huskers' position with him right now. Um, And then you've got Miller as well. Joshua Manning has been a guy we've been talking about for over a year now um, out of Lee Summit, Missouri, and he'll be back in town this weekend too the the number i think is probably three and then we'll see if nebraska can get an athlete or two that they just can't turn away because a couple of those guys and others um are guys that you just wouldn't want to turn away if you're the huskers tell me about don travius braswell he is the the one running back that that i'm seeing on on your reports that nebraska is really going hard after who's his lead record lead recruiter and what what's his area what's his region 
Yeah, so so Braswell is another kid that's from down in Georgia. Um, Nebraska, Georgia is a, a big theme uh, for this weekend. Um, Sean Becton, um, a lead recruiter there, but also Brian Applewhite doing work um, with him too. And he's a good prospect, 5'11", 200 pounds. I think the Huskers right now are, are positioned well with him as well. Um, Nebraska and South Carolina are the two schools, only two schools that he has official visits set up to. Um, and he's a really fast kid, verified 10-7 in the 100-meter dash. Um, we know Brian Applewhite loves his track athletes as well. He told me uh, that he really doesn't like to recruit running backs unless they run track. It's not just because he wants to see if they're fast, but he wants to see them compete uh, in something else as well. Greg, how, how confident should Nebraska fans feel, not only from an evaluation but a close, get the, get the close, get the yes, with, with this revamped staff, with, with a guy like Bush, with a guy like Mickey, with a guy like Applewhite? I think they should feel pretty good uh, about the ability to close with this staff. I think that you're going to see a little bit of a different tactic about trying to push a little harder uh, for these guys to get in the class. And I think one of the things that kind of tips me off to that, and we've talked a lot about similar positions, right? You've got a number of edge rushers, a number of offensive linemen, wide receivers coming in, right? And so I think being able to say, hey, if you don't get in, someone else is going to take that spot. That leverage play always works or works a lot, especially when guys have really strong interest in your program and you combine that with really good recruiters i I think that that's a good recipe for nebraska greg before we get you out of here by less than a minute left here uh, i gotta ask you this this friday night lights camp has been a a a big recruiting deal for nebraska for a a number of years now so i want to pose the question how how many straight years now have you been uh, covering this friday night lights camp Oh boy! Since well, since they started, so since like that Micah Parsons one uh, that Schmidt mentioned, so it's been what five, six years now. Hmm. Hmm. You know, uh, Elijah was at Friday Night Lights uh, the year before, the year before the Micah Parsons camp. Did, did you participate in the camp? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't how get did... a write up, so I'm not sure how you missed that. Oh, one. We're, we're oh just we're, I missed you, he, my bad. No, that, that's fine. But we were just, we were just how's Greg going to react to this? Because I, Elijah, smacked me because I, <laughs> dude, you you went what? <laughs> no, I didn't know either, do, Greg. It's okay. Just, yeah, you should just lie and say you were at the Micah Parsons one, and no one remembers because Micah stole your thunder. That's the See, way you got it. And, and I can't remember if they put, they used to put on like multiple a month. I think they still do, and I can't remember if I was the week before Mike or the year before Mike I know I wasn't the exact same one as him but yeah that so one is one that what, what people, could have been I was, yeah, the, I was right. the zero star recruit I, I didn't want to go up against Micah Parsons that's for sure well <laughs> as much as it. as much as I loved coach Cav uh he he missed out could have had Elijah Elijah blocking on the edge Greg we'll talk again soon thanks for the time bud hey have a good weekend guys pardon the interruption but I'd like to save you some money I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR.
Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to the coach, Hall of Famer Gary Barnett, with us from Colorado, Northwestern, and Missouri. Coach, how's the week been? How's the, more importantly, how's the golf game been? Well, that's in a state of flux right now, Chris. I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm watching every video I can watch. I ordered a, another one. I'm you know I'm I'm just. I'm watching too many of those things. I'm not letting things happen. I'm not being natural with it, and it's kicking my butt. So mm-hmm. I don't know, losing distance, I think, daily. I think I lost three yards the day before. I think it's going to happen again today, and I'm, you know, so I'm, I'm sort of in a mental problem here. So just got to work it through. Okay, so we're going to go from the struggle of golf to the joy of barbecue. Is there a rib-off in the future? Is there another Bar- the great Barnett rib-off? Is that on the horizon this June? Yeah, well, there's a Father's Day rib-off mm-hmm. coming up, and then there's a Nebraska-Colorado rib-off coming up in about a little over a month. We've got those two on the docket. You sent incredible pictures a year ago. We were unable to be on site for that judgment but we're, we're we're still regretful for that so is this the second or third annual colorado nebraska rib offer has this been ongoing no this is the second okay yeah. okay so, so the second annual and the i bre- think i sent you the picture of uh, you did. me and my CU uh apron and bob <laughs> turchich in his nebraska apron and mm-hmm. that was just before the final decision was made so he was smiling but i think the, the i don't want to call it jury but i think the 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 judges <laughs> were uh were, was pretty heavy colorado wasn't it but nobody knew who's they oh. didn't know whose ribs were what so okay. Okay. they were okay it was fair. It was fair. Let's talk uh, SEC spring meetings. Uh, we ate up the Jimbo and, and Saban commentary. They've moved on. It is what it is, and not a ton from them. But seating chart-wise, did you see that on social media? Somebody tweeted out the, the seating chart, and it was it was hilarious because you had a bunch of SEC administrators almost, it, it looked like, as a buffer to where Jimbo was at compared to where Saban was sitting. And then, of course, Leach was on the other side of the, the area, and, and I guess he's a loud talker that tends to interrupt meetings. Did you uh, have a, I guess, a coaching uh, buddy that that you didn't mind sitting by or you were cordial with when you were in those things in the Big Ten or or even the Big 12? In the Big Ten, I didn't want to sit anywhere near the Michigan coaches. Really? Why why is that? I I was sick of Michigan by that point in time, you know, and and they were always looking down their noses at us. So uh, I I sat next to the Purdue coach, Jim, I'm trying to think of Jim's last name, but he we we sort of were in the same boat. We were getting kicked around. Actually, in the uh, in the Big Twelve meetings, I enjoyed sitting next to Tom, mm-hmm. and I, I actually uh, worked on a committee when he was head of a committee in the NCAA on that with him and in Kansas City, and mm-hmm. enjoyed that. Leach was always a hoot, but Leach is Leach, and uh, I could see why they'd put him at the other end. It was him and Kiffin so, next to each other. Yeah, the the dynamics of that. I, I mean, I would really have liked to have been a fly on the wall <laughs> and just get a sense of the tenseness in that room because I think there's a lot of tension between Lane and Nick and probably Lane and everybody in that room. So, And then Mike brings his own tension, Mike at Mississippi State. So 
It's uh, Leach. That would have been one of those rooms you'd really like to be in, I think. He was in the Big 12, and you were in the Big 12. When we talk tension with the Pirate, I mean, when we talk to him, it's a little bit about football, a lot about whatever, and we're not in meetings with him. I mean, and he, he seems to me to be like a guy who hates meetings. What tension is there? Is it just him going off on a tangent or advocating a little bit too intensely? Give me a little more in-depth look what it's like to be in a meeting with so many high-profile guys? Well, Mike just, you don't know where he's going to go and when he's going to say something that's going to offend everybody and and then, (laughs) you know, how off the wall he can be. And so you're just sort of waiting for the minute, really. You you know, when somebody throws out a controversial question, you're just sort of cutting your eyes over to Mike and going, I wonder what he's going to say about this one. And and usually it's pretty funny, actually. And uh, But it takes a while to say. You know, he can't say anything direct. He's got to mm-hmm. tell you about – he's got to go around the block two or three times before he finally gets to the address. So he's a, he's a good guy and he's fun to be with. And his, he and his wife are fun outside of the – outside of the games as well. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, what do you think uh, division-wise? What do you think the SEC settles on? Do you think they, they go to more of a three-team setup, an eight-game league schedule, or or a nine-game league schedule? Any projection there with where they go? And I know we touched on it a couple of weeks ago, but you'll have different leagues follow suit. We know that the Pac-12's doing away with divisions, but do you do you keep it at nine, or do you go down to eight? What, what would be your preference well i i I, they've they've been doing nine you know and they've they have been committed to that and they bragged about it and um so i don't know why they would change that at this point in time now whether that means um three rivals and six additional games or whether that becomes four rivals because of the you know how long and deep that rival those rivalries go that that but then when you do that it's almost almost like divisions but um i could see them almost doing four teams that they're used to playing and then another five i i can see them doing that but either one i think works i and i um you know in that league when you get out of the divisions and you don't have divisions much like it is, I think in, in most leagues, you're going to have some teams that just don't have a chance. Sure. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the problem with the divisions, uh, with getting rid of the divisions is you do eliminate the chances for about four or five teams to ever make a run. And, I know that's where we're going, and that's what everybody wants. Uh, but but that that's the downside, I think. You know, there was a really interesting article. I don't know if you saw it in the in the Athletic uh, yesterday about the age of coaches and the length of their contract has a great deal to do with how they perceive the transfer portal and NIL. And if you didn't get a chance to read that, you should read that because it's. You know, all the younger – the coaches who have 15 years or 20 years left of head coaching uh, possibilities, they're embracing it, and they're the ones that are trying to figure out how to make it work. It's interesting. And, and then the ones who only have five years or 10 years left, 
they're the ones that are really fighting and have been in the game for a long time. So it's it's funny, and the numbers of uh, that uh, the TV numbers, TV money numbers, uh, and league num- uh, money numbers, and how much they changed in the last 12 or 13 years, and um, it gives you a, a more clear picture of really why it's gone, where it's gone, and where it may end up. So if you haven't read that, take a look at that one. Absolutely will do. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, what uh, what about automatic bids? Yay or nay on that for the playoff? If you're going to eliminate divisions, then I don't think you can do automatic. I mean, I I think you, you get one automatic. Okay. And the rest of them are up for bid, you know, up mm-hmm. for, you know, evaluation. So, but I think you, I think you've almost got to give each league, a mem- you know, if you're going to go to more than four teams, then I think you've got to go automatic. If you don't go more than four teams, then no, you can't go automatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not possible. But if you do, if you stay with more than, if you go to more than four playoff games and teams, then, then you've got to, I think. Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, uh, big weekend for Nebraska. It's uh, Friday Night Lights. Did see the story from the athletic on Dabo Sweeney making a change to allow summer official visits. Clemson had been kind of like the one holdout where they haven't and didn't use summertime for official visits. But Dabo's kind of changed his ways. As you look at Dabo in this era, uh, is he long for the coaching world? He's only 52. He does a great job, but things are changing from what he's used to, and he shifted finally with uh, with summer visits. Well, uh, Dabo is probably right in the middle. You know, I mean, he's probably got another 10, mm-hmm. uh, a good 10 years if he wants it. I don't know whether the burnout uh, will increase the pressure of burnout and the kind of burnout that's going to exist from this point on with NIL and the portal um, and the number of uh, assistants and, and, you know, the the new projection on all this is that coaches are going to coach more and they're going to have uh, a staff of scouts that they're going to, they're seeking permission to get them to be able to go on the road. So it's, it'll be more like a pro system where the scouts, you know, don't do any coaching. They go out and do the evaluation, and the coaches just do the coaches. So, uh, you, you know, that has flaws in it as well because then the coaches don't have much say in, in who these scouts go out and get. And that's going to take a long time getting used to. So I, I think I think there's probably, you know, the, the good side of that is if you're in it like Dabo is just for the coaching part of it, and many of us, then maybe it's going to be better. You're not going to have to deal with some of that stuff. Uh, you know, I think an NFL assistant can hang around a long time because he doesn't have to do any of that stuff. Uh, where in, in college coaching, you can't because there's always the travel, there's always the scouting, there's always this and that, uh, the recruiting and being at home. So it may make the, the lifespan of an assistant coach and a head coach in, at the collegiate level a little, little easier, a little, you know, able to go a little bit longer. Coach, last thought, we'll get you out and appreciate you spending time with us as always. From a burnout, I want to follow up on that. 
did you ever run into to burnout? And if so, was it more difficult as an assistant or as the head guy overseeing everything? No, I don't think I ever ran into burnout because I I just loved what I was doing. Sure. I just couldn't believe that I could do it. I could. I mean, I couldn't believe I was given the opportunities to do it. Uh, there's always things you don't like and you try to change or things you can't change and you get frustrated with it. But that's every job and everything. No, I, I think I was one of those lucky guys that found just what he was supposed to do and wanted to do and was able to do it. Not as long as I wanted to. Sure. I thought I would, but I, I got to do it. And when I was in it, I, I, I never questioned it for a minute ever. Gary Barnett with us. Coach, enjoy your weekend and uh, hit him far and straight. Thanks so much. All right, Chris. Great being with you. Have a great weekend. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine or annual football yearbook and all the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code gbr for ten dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code gbr he's in his 30s but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other now say my name it's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Burke's Best Bets with Hail Varsity Radio, Vison Sports Network. Danny Burke has the odds in the inside track with Friday Night Lights for Nebraska recruits. Danny, tell everybody about the crystal ball and how Nebraska is going to make a clean sweep of all they want recruiting wise. I'm, I'm kind of kidding. How are you? Uh, no, you're right. It's an absolute lock that they're going to do it. But no, Schmitty, I'm good, my man. Appreciate you having me on. As always, uh, you know, it's getting pretty entertaining here, the NBA Finals. And I know Elijah is sweating out his avalanche, so I'm sure he's pretty pumped as well. He is. Elijah, Let's. we're going to get the, 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 the picture out on Twitter. You got a road abs jersey going on. and Home abs, but. I thought everyone wore a white at home. No. No. That's just that's just in most other leagues, and if you're a cowboy, <laughs> so Elijah's like, be quiet, anti hockey guy. I love hockey, right? You're you're both devoted to it, Elijah. You grew up a, a huge Avs fan, and Danny, you 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 grew up a huge Blackhawks fan, and and both uh, both of you have seen a lot of Stanley Cups. It's been pretty cool for both of you. Let's talk about Oilers tonight. We'll get to NBA Finals, I promise, in two seconds, but. What's happening, uh, Daddy, uh, with uh, with the Oilers and and the Abs here? Uh, give me a feel. I mean, this series just seems like it could be very reminiscent of the Oilers' last series against the Flames, but even more volatile because even though Edmonton lost that game one, you know they came back and then obviously they were consistent afterward. And yeah, there was some mayhem, but it wasn't as crazy as I feel like it's going to be for this series. So. Going into it, Colorado was about a minus 250 favorite on the series. And I'm like, all right, I'm not going to touch anything. Game one's kind of scare me anyways. But I was looking at all the other bets, and I'm looking five and a half games played. And 
at one of the sports books out here. The price was like minus 132. And I'm like, all right, well, I do think the series goes deep, but I don't necessarily want to lay the minus 132. So I'm looking at game one, and I'm like, you know what? Colorado probably does figure it out in game one. And with the assumption they would win game one, that would mean the over five and a half games would no longer be about minus 132. You could get it close to like even money was my assumption or maybe even a little bit better since Colorado was already the favorite. They won game one. That would mean there would be a better chance for it to be four or five games and finish that way. So lo and behold, they win game one. I look now and over five and a half games, the price is like plus 105. So I've played that. I think this series is going to go deep for many reasons. I mean, you know that Edmonton has a good enough offense to keep up with the Avalanche. All throughout, Colorado is the more stacked team. But in terms of the goaltending, yes, Darcy Kemper is better than Mike Smith, but really not by that much as of this moment. Kemper should be better, absolutely. But, you know, if you took Darcy Kemper and Elijah, plug your ears, man. I don't want you to get mad at me. But if you took Darcy Kemper and you put him on another squad that wasn't as good, I think he would be an average goalie at best. He benefits from having one of the best rosters around him. And I just don't trust him. So if you liked Edmonton even before the series started, you didn't touch it, I wouldn't mind throwing a little bit of chump change on him for the value of like 4-1 to one to win the series. Because if there's going to be games like this where there's just so much scoring, that means the chances of an underdog coming through with so many goals readily available is going to be higher. So I think Edmonton absolutely is live for this series. But just to play it safe, I'm just going to do over five and a half games, assuming it goes deep. And look, if you told me you're taking a flyer on Edmonton to win the game tonight, I wouldn't I wouldn't sway you away from it. But I'll probably wait to get involved with Edmonton more so when they get back home. Yeah, Danny, I'm seeing the Avs is minus 170 on the money line tonight. That seems a little bit steep for me uh, after watching game one. But the interesting number to me is the total set at seven. Uh, you got some uh, some juice on the over. Uh, and I want to get your take on that. Do you think this is a, a, a game where these teams have figured themselves out in game one and they're going to uh, have a little less scoring tonight? Or, or do you think the, the scoring explosion is going to continue this series? I think it's going to persist. I, I really do. But, again, I don't want to take the over considering how high the total is. Like, it just seems nuts to want to get involved with a total that's seven or seven and a half in a playoff hockey game despite what happened in game one. But that's not to say I'm ever going to attack the under. It would be live bet the over or stay away. And it was comical because in game one I was watching it and I saw the live total at like 13 and a half and I was tweeting about this. And I'm like, I just bet the over 13 and a half because I actually kind of think it's a good bet, but also just because it's hysterical to think that you would live bet that in a hockey game, and it still came through. Like It just makes no sense how bad these goalies have been, despite how good both offenses are. But, yeah, I, you know, Elijah, I'm probably going to stay away from it, but if there's this kind of like a dull moment or like a slow pace at some point in this game and you're getting a good price on the over, I'm going to look to attack it in-game. That would be the only way I would approach betting the total. Danny Burke's with us. Burke's best bad tale of our city radio. Danny Burke five on Twitter's where you follow him and rush hour, his show uh, weeknights uh, all over the country. And of course the daily podcast from Danny Burke to the NBA finals. Danny, about three minutes here. What are you feeling for first game one here? Warriors favored by three and a half. This should be dynamite. This, uh, this NBA finals. 
Man, it seems like the easy answer, but I'm all on Team Golden State at this moment. Golden State game one took them on the money line. I think the number is home teams in the game one of the NBA Finals are like 23-3 and three straight up since 96, and who cares? You could throw that out. It doesn't matter because I still think Golden State is going to win tonight. And I know they've had some layoff in between the series, but still, I mean, you know, Boston just had two exhausting series against Milwaukee and then against Miami. And, you know, kind of trying to keep it short because I've been going into this and I could go for a while on it. But, look, Boston has had moments where they've been sketchy. Game five against Milwaukee, what happened? They blew a double-digit lead and then they lost that game. Granted, they won the next two games, they move on. Congrats. All right, well, look at that Miami series. You beat down Miami in game five. You go back home to game six, and we're pretty much everybody, I feel like, assume they would close things out as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Nope, you lose that game. All right, game seven, you go into that. You have a comfortable lead. I even turned off the game on my flight home because I was like, this thing's over. I turn it back on, and Jimmy Butler's chucking up a three to potentially win the game. Granted, he misses, but again, you can never feel comfortable with the Celtics team. They will not be able to get away with that against Golden State. Milwaukee had no other scoring options with Middleton off, uh, not in the game. Miami, it was only Jimmy Butler. Bam Adebayo was volatile. Uh, Kyle Lowry was doing nothing. Furthermore, Gabe Vincent had a couple good games. Max Struess was not existing. And you look at Golden State, they just got shooters all throughout. If Steph Curry has an off night, you got Clay Thompson. If he has an off night, you got Jordan Poole. If Wiggins plays like he did last series on both ends, this Warriors team will be too much to handle. I think they get it started tonight. I think they win the series, and I took a flyer on Steph Curry, finals MVP. Has not won it yet. The narrative sets up beautifully for him to win it. So I'm all Golden State this NBA Finals. My feel, and get into this uh, for a steak and a beer shortly, but my feel is it's just going to be too much. It should be too much Golden State with their offense as well as they pay attention to defense there a team that plays on both ends of the floor. And I think you nailed it with the fact that that Boston is just too full of surprises. Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. And uh, catch his show, Rush Hour, weeknights all over the country on VEASAN Sports Network, iHeartMedia, and uh, the podcast, the Danny Burke Podcast. Uh, Pride of Chicago, thanks for a few minutes. Appreciate you making time. Yeah, you got it, gentlemen. Enjoy the games and take care. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, good stuff from Danny Burke on the NHL and NBA. Always appreciate Gary Barnett, his take. Specifically, sitting in those spring meetings, what coaches did you cozy up to? Who couldn't you stand? And the whole Mike Leach 
experience <laughs> between coaches and administrators in those conference uh, sit-downs. Greg Smith laid it out for you with Friday Night Lights tomorrow. HailVarsity.com, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I mean, it's all going to be uh, there for you. A full menu of Friday Night Lights recruiting. Uh, you had Cade McIntyre make a trip down to Lincoln uh, today for about, uh, I don't have the whole length of time, but it, he made a, a pre-trip before his uh, trip, and he's the really talented linebacker out of Fremont Bergen. So Nebraska has a lot to do with in-state talent to uh, to make sure they, they stay in-state. Elijah Herbal is going to pick a winner tonight or pick out a steak and a beer for me next time. Well, it's I mean, Bill, you it's, lost last night. So are we double or nothing, going double or nothing, so we're even, or am I still up like 47 to 1? Hey, hey, I think it's... <laughs> 44 to 4 right now but but you and dolman you get the sequel tomorrow yeah i'm really really looking forward to that uh so is he so are you yeah we uh last week we talked a little auto racing which i don't remember the last time we talked about auto racing on this uh this show so that was good stuff talked about the indy 500 and i'm sure dolman will have uh, his thoughts on the spring meetings this week as well so uh, uh as we did last week I, I think the plan is to to hit well a some recruiting, and then B, just kind of Be run, run through the week. He, he may agenda. run through the computer screen at you if you make him talk <laughs> recruiting too long. Well, that's why I'm glad you got Greg Smith on today, because that was, uh, if, if you didn't have him on today, I was going to have to bring him on tomorrow, and I'm not sure what Dolman was going to say about that. <laughs> well, I know where he'd go. <laughs> <laughs> I totally know where he'd go, but the Pride of Fairbury and Elijah Herbal tomorrow. Uh, Junior has baseball up at Elkhorn uh, in mid-afternoon, so... Trying to do the dad thing and, and watch him uh, play ball. So I appreciate you guys absolutely. Back Saturday uh, for the weekend edition at 7 a.m. An ode to Fitzmagic. 17 years for Mr. Fitzpatrick. You know him for the beard. You know him for the post games. But, man, he was fun. Yeah, He was so much fun out of Harvard, right? And... He he had some some big paydays. Then he'd get hurt, but he was just a ton of fun to watch. Kind of your, it wasn't quite your second coming of Kurt Warner because Warner won championships. But you had that feel with with Fitzpatrick and just his arm talent and what his teammates thought of him. And in his retirement, he did a collage with every teammate he's ever had. And what what do you call that design? I forget, but it's. I mean, it, it's some sort of program. You can type in names, and it, it prints out checkered patterns, names. Yeah, yeah patterns. I, I made my my kids do it for my kids presented it to me, and uh, it locks. I think all Will Wilson's name on there when I was student teaching. Mm, mm. I have that in my drawer, but it was cool and, yeah. and g- great career for him. Yeah, awesome. Going to miss Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick. And before we get out of here, I'm just going to let you know I want to take the Celtics taking a beer. All right, uh, I will give you the three and a half, and I like New York strips. Talk to you on Saturday. A Huda Media Production.